my name is Fred. Welcome, fellowship. We're glad to have you. I get to be the lead pastor here. I do have one announcement uh, to let y'all know about, um, and it's about growth groups and focus groups kicking off. Um, We do uh, growth groups uh, kind of along with the school calendar. Uh, We go from September to right after Thanksgiving and kick them off again in January and go until Easter. And these small groups really are the the hub of who we are as a church. And we encourage everyone to to hop into a growth group or a focus group. Uh, And here's why, too. We also believe that what we're doing here today is great. Right. Like life change can happen here, right? But we also know that something happens when you're sitting in a circle with other people, studying God's truth, uh, struggling to live that out together, praying for one another, caring for one another. And so we think oftentimes life change happens better in circles than it does in rows. And so that's why we encourage everyone to get in a group of some kind. And so we've got growth groups that'll be kicking off. Um, You can go online, Fellowship Asheville groups, and, and register there. Um, we've got all kinds of groups. We've got men's groups. We've got some virtual groups. If you're watching online and don't live here, there are some, some options for you, too, to still be part of fellowship. Or if you'd rather be in a virtual group, we've got some of those. We've got uh, couples groups. We've got co-ed groups, um, which is open to anybody. Um, uh, we've got a couple of men's groups. Uh, we've got one woman's group that's virtual. I would love one more woman's group, but uh, the leader will rise up when God brings them. So we will do that. Um, uh, that's our growth groups. Focus groups are a little bit different. Focus groups meet for a specific reason, for a specific season, right? That's why they're called focus groups. They have a certain focus to them. And we've got four different, actually five different groups that we're, that I want to highlight. Uh, one of those is grief share. We're starting that this year and it's the first time we've ever done it. Um, so if you want to be a pilot, uh, be part of the pilot group and grief share, I think many people have experienced grief uh, through the pandemic, whether it is somebody that we know closely has passed away in the past couple of years, or even just dealing with grief in general, right, of going through a, pand- a pandemic. That's what this is. It's 13 weeks, and the reason I highlight it is because it starts a week before growth groups, so they can get 13 weeks in before Christmas. So if you're interested in that, go to our, our website. We have another one, Um, That's really cool um, and has been something we have been praying for for a while and it has come to fruition. Uh, Jackie Perry, um, I don't... I can't tell if she's here or not. Oh, yeah, Jackie Perry's back there. Uh, Jackie Perry, um, uh, this is like a vision come to reality that we talked about ages ago. And what she didn't know is I've been praying for this uh, too. And it's, and it's, think of it as counselor training for people that aren't counselors, right? For people that aren't degreed, for people that haven't gone to school, for people that really don't want to get their master's in PhDs like, like, like Jackie has to, to do that. Because her vision is to create a space called Soulwell, uh, to create a space where people can come and be heard, a safe space to be heard. And to do that, you need people trained to listen well, to direct people to the foundational truths of God's word, to pull in current research and current science and data about about what happens with our emotions and feelings and the way we think and believe and and, and all of that. And so that's what she's doing, and it's called Soulwell. And the way that works, it's also a 13-week training. This is another pilot, which is really exciting. 
Um, and so if you want to be part of that, go to our website. That one's going to be a little bit different. You will register for it. Um, I'm going to let Jackie know that you've registered, and then she will email you and send you an application and the whole deal because she wants to make sure that the people in it are invested in the process of it in the 13 weeks. It, it, it can be intensive but really good. We have another focus group called Be the Bridge, which is about racial reconciliation. We're opening this one up to members of the community as well, which will be really exciting. And then we have another pilot group that we're doing here. It's been done before, but David's men. Uh, and so if you're a guy and you want to do something a little bit more intense uh, in your study, like read a book a month, memorize scripture, uh, meet with guys that are going to hold you accountable, write a short paper on the book that you read, uh, like it's a whole thing, right? Like, like uh, do that. That you can register uh, on our website too. And then we've also got Mentoring Moms. Uh, which is for our new moms, uh, our experienced moms, as we call them. We don't want to call them old moms, I found out. So uh, we call them experienced moms, uh, where y'all can come together. And, and it's really a, a vision of Titus 2, where the older women can really teach, train, and encourage the younger women. Because um, moms, particularly young moms, um, feel like a failure all the time. You know, you don't have to say amen to that, but, but I know. And I also know experienced moms can tell you it's going to be okay in a way that ministers to you different than your husband telling you that, different, uh, different than other people, the other guys telling you that. To hear that from an experienced mom is good. Y'all, and that meets once a month. And if you're a new mom, it is a come as you are. Uh, event. Like, like you just come. And so all that information is found on our website. And if you're looking at growth groups and there's not one that fits what your, what you, you know, like your time frame, there's also a group called waiting list. Sign up on that, uh, right? Like sign up on that. Uh, I will email you some questions or we'll get some questions to you. I can't remember if they're auto-generated or if I email them, we'll figure that out next week. Um, and it gives me an idea of what uh, group kind of group you're looking for because then what I do is I look at that waiting list and sometimes we have made groups just from the waiting list um, so so that's why that's there so so all that all right with all of that listen I am so glad that we can gather together for worship today particularly to do uh, baptisms which is one of my favorite things to do and if you're joining us or uh, whether you're here in person or whether you're online I have been praying for us this week based on this scripture that we will do this, that we will be able uh, to, to recognize and to meet Jesus in places where uh, we can see what's going on, but we don't understand what God is doing in the midst of that. Places where we can see, but not understand. And so if you would, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. We're going to be going through verses uh, 31 through 37. And, and here at Fellowship, if this is your first time, uh, or if you haven't been in a while, like we are going through the book of Mark. And uh, we are taking our time. We will be done right around Easter. Because uh, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I don't want to give any spoilers, but the ending of the book of Mark ties in really good with Easter. Right, and so, so we're excited uh, to be taking our time, and, and as you're turning there, I want to tell you a true story uh, that is going to sound a little bit fictitious, but it's not. Right, around the 1750s, uh, Benjamin Franklin is credited with inventing the lightning rod. Now, I say credited because 
Some people don't think he actually invented it, but either way, whether he invented it or not, he's the one that really made it famous, right? Uh, he's the one that made it, made it big deal. And for our purposes, here's what I want you to hold in your head. This was like the 1750s, right? Quite a while ago. All right, so to our little scientists in here, students, adults, what do we know about lightning? Where does lightning typically strike? Someplace high or someplace low? Someplace high, right? So a lightning rod is put on top of those structures to take the lightning and disperse it to the ground safely so it doesn't uh, create fires, it doesn't electrocute people and all of that. In the mid-1700s, when lightning rods came around, most people were really excited that the lightning rod was there because they were kind of tired of these tall structures getting struck by lightning. A lot of places were made of wood, and so when they got struck by lightning, they burned to the ground. Like, it was catastrophic for places. A lot of people were really, really excited about it. Not everyone. And, y'all, you can Google this. It's fascinating. Church leaders at the time were not excited about it. Now, what do we know about church buildings? They've got what on top of them? A steeple, right? What do we know that was also typically in those steeples? A bell, a big bell to ring to the community that church was starting. So, so imagine this, this wooden building with this tall structure on top of it and this great metal conductor right in the middle of it, right? That's what was on top of church buildings. But here's the deal. The church at the time, church leaders, believed that lightning was the wrath of God. And so if lightning struck someplace, it was an act of judgment from God. And they thought, if we put a lightning rod on top of a church, we are actually diverting the wrath of God. And we can't do that. We, 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 we see this, we see it's, it's what it is, but we can't divert the wrath of God. And then they started noticing things like bars and brothels weren't getting hit by lightning. Right? Because they're not, they don't have big steeples sticking out of them. They're kind of a little more inconspicuous. Lightning passes right over them. And so somebody pointed that out to them. Well, if, if, if it's the wrath of God, what's wrong with the church? That they're the ones getting struck mostly in town. Because if you think about it, churches were built typically on hills, the tallest part in town with the tallest structure in town, right? And they said, well, okay, here's what it is. God has allowed demons to cause mischief to the church and so God has allowed judgment to be exercised through these demons of mischief and so whenever we hear thunder it is actually thunder demons and so what we're going to do is we're going to put people up in the bell towers ringing the bell to let them know that the storm is coming and 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 that way they can avoid the thunder demons the data shows that after the lightning rod became public, for the next three or four decades, the number of deaths measured in the hundreds of people in bell towers. Right? Here's why. Right? Like, like the church leaders, they could see what was going on. Right? But they didn't understand. 
what God was doing, right? They could see but not understand, right? They could see the thread of lightning. They could see this thing called the lightning rod, but they didn't understand how God was working in the midst of that and working in all of them together. And I share that story because, one, it's extreme and it's really amazing, right, that this was, this was, uh, in the, this was here on our ground that this happened. But I also wonder if we still do the same thing in our lives, that we see what's going on, but we don't understand what God is doing, right? Now, we don't do it with lightning and lightning rods. Maybe it's current news events, right, that we see what's going on in the world, and and we don't know how God relates to it. Students, gosh, maybe even adults, We see the dark in the room at night, and we hear something, and we're scared. And we don't know how God relates to what's in the dark, right? Maybe it's going back to school this year and dealing with the pressure and anxiety that that comes along with that, and in some cases dealing with the drama. And I don't mean like being part of the drama club, being part of the theater. I'm talking about drama being with other humans, right? And we see all of that going on, but we don't know how God relates to it. Well, this is what we're going to explore today. What do we do when we see, but we don't understand? What do we do when we see, but don't understand? Well, look at verse 31. It says, And when he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Decapolis. Decapolis. So, so this is Jesus, that he is there. And if you remember, Jesus uh, is in, uh, was in a non-Jewish area last week, right? And, and if you were here last week, uh, what does the Bible typically refer to folks that are not Jewish? The Bible typically refers to them as what? Gentiles, right? So, so Jesus is in this Gentile area. And a short summary of chapter 7 is that we've seen the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, condemn Jesus. We've seen Jesus in a Gentile area. And we've seen this Gentile woman seek Jesus out and be the first person to understand the parables that Jesus is using. Well, watch what happens with Jesus in this even, even more, in continuing more Gentile area that he's around. It's not a Jewish area. Look at verse 32. It says, And he, they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay, to lay hands on him, to lay, to lay his hand on him. Right, so a couple of things jump out from this verse. First, we see a man. We don't know his condition yet, right? Um, um, well, we do, actually. Yeah, brought to a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, right? So we know his condition. He, he was deaf, he couldn't hear, and he can't speak or at least can't speak well, right? Like people can't understand him, right? So he can see, he can see, right? But he can't hear, he can't communicate, he can see, but oftentimes he can't understand. And for today, I want us to put ourselves in his shoes, right? Where we can see, but don't understand. And those areas that, that God brought to mind, that the Holy Spirit brought to mind, the places where you can see what's going on, but not understand. Maybe it's work pressures, right? Like what's going on at work where you can see, but not understand. For those purposes, I want you to put ourselves in his shoes, or probably sandals in his case, right? And I want you to consider this question. 
Where do you see but not understand? Like, where are those places? Where are those circumstances in life? Maybe even tough passages of Scripture that you're struggling with. Where you see but you don't understand what God is saying through them. What are the the happenings in the world that you see going on and that trouble your soul and you don't understand what God, what in the world God is doing. In those places we are this guy. And with this I want you to notice something about this verse. How did this man get to Jesus? What does it say? It says they brought him. Right Now, we don't know who they are, right? but we know what they're doing. They're bringing this guy to Jesus. Now, for our, our, our English, A-plus English folks out there, is they a singular or plural pronoun? Plural. Gosh, we got lots of A-plus English people. That's great. That's great. That's great. It's plural. And, and like this unnamed man, right? Like the... They not plural. What did I say? Okay, okay, good, good, good. Okay, I was like, I think it's plural. If not, my whole sermon shot. So for our purposes today, they is plural, right? But here's what they did, right? They brought this unnamed man to Jesus. And just like this unnamed man, when we see and we don't understand, we need some of they in our life, right? We need people who will take us to Jesus. Because here's what he did. At some point, in some way, he invited these Jesus carriers into where he could see but don't understand. And for us, we need to invite Jesus carriers into our questions as well, right? Like you see, at some point, like I said, this man either, either initiated it or he allowed them to do it to take him to Jesus. And, and I use the word carried because we've seen that in scriptures before. We've seen people little, literally carry people to Jesus. This man, there's nothing wrong with his legs that we can see, so they probably didn't actually carry him. But they definitely guided him and they brought him to Jesus to explain what was going on because, because he couldn't explain what was going on, Right? And when we have these questions in our soul where we see but we don't understand, we need people that will do the same thing, that will take us to Jesus. We need people that will will carry us to Jesus. Now here's the deal. This doesn't just mean, although this is great, this doesn't just mean the people when we tell them our question, they go, oh, I'll pray for you for that. Right? That's great. But this they did more. They brought this man to Jesus. That's the people that carry us to Jesus. That's the people that do pray for us, but they also pray with us about it. It's the people that, that, that have you open your Bible. They open their Bible together and they go, well, let's see if we can figure out what God is doing with this. Right? They explore God's word with you. They talk about God's character with you. One of my favorite things when people are dealing with these deep theological questions and they're like, I don't know what God is doing. I love to say, okay, we, can, we have two options here. Either we can focus on what we don't know about God or we can focus on what we do know about God. And what do we do know about God? That he is in control, that he is loving, that he is kind, that, that he is for justice and for mercy at the same time. So how do all those things relate to this 
issue. See, they take you to what we know about God and his character. They sit down and they open the Bible with us. And what I want you to do is, as I'm talking, is I want you to write down the names of the people who are your Jesus carriers. Who carries you to Jesus? Answer this question, who are my Jesus carriers? Because let me tell you, those people in your life, whoever they are, they are gold to you. They are pure gold to you. And you do everything that you can to keep them in your life. Because we all have questions, and we all need people that will carry us to Jesus with those questions. And let's see what Jesus does. Because when we see how he interacts with this guy, we're also going to see what Jesus does when our Jesus carriers take us to Jesus. Look at verse 33. He says, And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put... um, Let's see, he put his fingers into his ear, and after spitting, touched his tongue, pre-COVID, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him that word, which I'm not going to try and repeat publicly, right? This is, thank you Mark for translating, it means be open. Now here's what Jesus does. This is an interesting interaction with this guy. Right, But remember, this guy can see, but he can't hear, he can't speak, he can't understand. And, and notice what Jesus does here, because here it is the heart of Jesus coming through. Because usually when we've seen Jesus heal through the book of Mark, we've seen him touch people. We've seen him say, be healed. We've even seen him heal from a distance. We've seen him heal without even using words. He told the woman last week, like, go home, like your child is healed. Right? But right here, this man puts his fingers, Jesus puts his fingers in this man's ears. He spits, I'm assuming on the ground, I don't know. And he touches the man's tongue, and then he looks up to heaven. And he sighs. Like, like you can see this expression on Jesus of the, the weight of sin that he feels. And he looks up to heaven, and, and, and what Jesus is doing here is he's using a kind of sign language to let this man know what's going to happen. Right? He touches his ears to let this man know, you're about to heal, about to be, yep, you're about to hear. He touches this man's tongue. To let him know you're about to speak. Your tongue is going to be set free. And he looks up to heaven to let this man know that this power comes from God. Not from some incantation and not from some, some, some magician's work. Right? And here we see something that's amazing about our Jesus. Y'all, that Jesus meets us in our lack of understanding and he helps us understand. Right? And this is why this is so key to the heart of Jesus. Because you see, here in, in church, we like to look good, right? Like I look across, y'all are some good looking people, right? Got your hair done, got your clothes on, not the PJs that you were wearing a little bit ago. Like, like, like y'all do as much work as you can to look presentable when you get here, right? Which is fine. But our Jesus meets us where we are, right? 
He meets us in our questions. And at church, sometimes we think we have to be perfect or be good enough to get God's love. And Jesus is showing us that is not true. You get to come fully as you are to him. And he will meet you there. And he will help you understand the truth. You don't have to figure it out on your own before you come to him. That's the whole reason these Jesus carriers bring you to Jesus is because he will show you the truth. You see, church, we don't have a God who requires us to be perfect before he will connect with us. He connects with us in our imperfection. And because of his death and resurrection, because he was perfect, somehow God sees us as perfect. And I don't know how that works, but it does. You see, he connects with us when we turn to him, no matter who we are, no matter where we are. Do you know, do you know the, 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 uh, in Atlanta, preacher, Andy Stanley, right? Anybody heard of him? He's got this, this little thing that he does on, on TV uh, that, you know, has however many viewers. Um, I'm sure a few. But here's what he does intentionally and his ministry does intentionally. It comes on after Saturday Night Live. It comes on literally at 1.05 in the morning. And here's why. Because they believe people will be sitting in bars somewhere. Because bars are the other church. Right? That's where people go to be real and to be vulnerable. And to try and find healing. And we know it doesn't work. And they know it doesn't work. So when Saturday Night Live is over and, and, and at 1.05, all of a sudden this preacher comes on TV. And starts talking about God. And I was there years ago. I was there and and I got to meet some of the people that run it. And I was in their resource room. And they were talking about uh, the emails that they get of people in these bars at 1.15 in the morning. Hearing this guy talk about God when they are empty of themselves, full of liquor, And they hear about this God that loves them. And they go, I need that. And they give their lives to Jesus. Y'all, that's our Jesus. He meets us in those places. That's why I love doing baptisms, right? Because it's this picture of that. You see, you don't have to understand what God is doing before you come to him. You come to him no matter who you are or where you are, and he meets you there. And he will show you who he is. Because watch what happens, y'all. This is really cool. Oh, I've got to hurry up. All right. Uh, Verse 35. Where am I? Uh, And his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. So here's what happens. Jesus heals this guy, right? And and look at this guy's response to the healing. And and Jesus charged them to tell no one. So so here's what Jesus does. This guy's just healed. He can finally speak. He can finally hear what's going on. And Jesus doesn't want this man or his Jesus carriers to tell them what happened. Here's why. Jesus knows how this story is going to play out. They don't. He knows that there's going to be a crucifixion and there's going to be a resurrection and that that will be the full story of the gospel. All these Jesus carriers know and all this man knows is that Jesus is this incredible healer. And, and, and they, what Jesus is telling them is that the time is coming where you'll get the full story, but it's not yet. Look at verse 36, the rest of it. 
It says, and Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. Now, what's interesting about this word, in the ESV, it uses the word proclaim that I just read. The NIV, I think, uses the word talked about. Any other words in the translations that you're reading about what they did? Let's kind of cover it. Because here's what that Greek word means. It means to preach it. Right? This man who couldn't talk met Jesus and turned into a preacher. Right? It's the same word that Jesus is going to use after the resurrection uh, when, he's, when he's assembled his disciples together and gives his final, his final sermon to them before he's raised into heaven, and he says, go into all the nations. And so he says this to, to all the men and women who are following him. He says, go unto all the nations and preach to them the good news. Right? This guy, these Jesus carriers, this guy who couldn't speak is now a preacher. Right? And our guy who was taken to Jesus, he's now taking others to Jesus. That's what happens when, when God heals you, when Jesus shows you who he is and shows you who God is, you get to bring other people there. Right? If Jesus has saved you and Jesus has healed you, whether it's in big ways or in little ways, it's okay to talk to others about that. It's okay to let the name of Jesus be part of your conversation with people. Because if he's real in your life, the people around you, it's okay for, they to, for them to know that. It's okay to preach it. Now notice too, Jesus doesn't condemn him for preaching. I love that. Jesus knows he'll get the whole story in just a little bit. But Jesus doesn't condemn him. You see, this model um, happened in the New Testament too. This guy named Apollos was preaching Jesus. And he wasn't preaching the full story of Jesus. I wonder if this same thing kind of happened to them. He was preaching Jesus is this great guy. And we should follow him. And then this couple, Priscilla and Aquila, came to him and instructed him in the fullness of the gospel. And he became a powerful preacher because of that. You see, this, this, this happens. He was preaching the Jesus he knew and Priscilla and Aquila instructed him. You see, if Jesus carriers have carried you to Jesus, you get to be a Jesus carrier for someone else. You get to take them to the Jesus you know. And church, here's the deal. Can we agree to be each other's Jesus carriers? If, if you agree to that, then give me a mm-hmm or a yes or something. Right? Right? Let me give you an example of what this is going to look like in just a few minutes. In a few minutes, we get to see the baptisms of three kids. Each one of those kids has a testimony of how they met Jesus and how Jesus has met them right in the middle of it. And at the end of our service today, these kids get to be our Jesus carriers. And so as a church, will we let them carry us to Jesus? If so, give me a mm-hmm or a yes. That'll work. Because here's the deal. These kids have had Jesus carriers. Their families have carried them to Jesus. Their FK leaders, their fellowship kids leaders have carried them to Jesus. This church has carried them to Jesus. And now they get to be the ones taking us to Jesus. My time is done. It's theirs now. So let's pray and let's celebrate some baptisms. Jesus, you are 
good to us. And we all need Jesus carriers. And so, so would you bring those people into our lives that can carry us to Jesus in the midst of our misunderstanding and seeing what's going on but not understanding it? Will you give us open hearts uh, to hear your truth in these, in these stories, right? These stories of how you have met these kids right where they are. And may we enjoy this, this moment celebrating with them. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen.